Welcome to the GrassCast, the host of your show, Quab and Sean. Game on. Welcome to the GrassCast, a show about games, life, and everything in between. I'm Quab. And I'm Sean. And uh, today we have uh, Doug Sartori, uh, hack forger, podcaster, and uh, Dark Souls professional gamer. <laughs> sure, know. I'll take that. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Um, but before we start, we've got to uh, face off on our ultimate challenge. Yes, as we always do. Yeah. So we good? Uh, yeah, sure. I yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Okay. One, One two, two, three. three rock. Paper. That, Man, there was a delay. There was a delay there, but fine. There was I'll a give delay. It to you. There, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Right. No, it's perfectly fine. It's fine. <laughs> we'll just eat. I'm not even keeping track anymore. What? But don't worry about it. Don't point. worry about it. Don't worry about it. <sighs> okay, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> um, so just out of curiosity, what would you call the title of that game? Like what what what's the name of that game called? What game? This the, game? the game we just played. Yeah. Scissors Rock Paper. Oh, interesting. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you guys call it? Rock, paper, scissors. He says rock, paper, scissors. I say paper, scissors, rock. Apparently. Come on. What? Come on. You're the, so everybody has a different variation. No, you are the first. Do you actually call it scissors, paper, rock? Yeah. That's the first. That is a first. Yeah. All right. It has, been, it has been the majority on rock, paper, scissors. I'm in the minority, but there's a small resistant contingency on uh-huh. my camp. But that is the first. Okay. I've never heard that one. <laughs> right. You're a unique, unique individual. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. All right. Um, so what is just something random, interesting about yourself that n- maybe nobody knows about or just something? I don't know. This is a new question that we <laughs> that we added. I don't know really how to. Yeah, I just kind of added it. And there is there but anything like your something, relationship? Something interesting to know about yourself. So there's so many interesting uh, things. Okay. Then maybe something gaming related to me. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, something about games. That's okay. So, um, my favorite coin-operated arcade game is City Connection. I think that's, um, I want to say 1986-ish. If you guys haven't played it, you need to check it out. City City Connection. No, I've never even. Okay, what happens in City Connection? City Connection is a, uh, it's like a maze game, but it's not because you're driving a little tiny car. And what you have to do is paint all the girders in the buildings that you're inexplicably driving through, and your car can jump. Okay. uh, You can throw oil cans at cats, and it has an awesome Uh soundtrack. So I I think that one of the things that attracted me to that that particular game uh, back in the 80s when I first played it is that it had a really unique soundtrack it had a ton of high quality songs uh, i want to say that they were using midi to output the music yeah which is something different than the the typical chip tunes you get in video games so mm. it was really uh quite noticeable and arresting and uh and then the game is actually really rad hmm. are you uh, looking it up right now yeah i'm looking it up uh was that like the main screen yeah that's the one okay it looks like kind of looks like miami connection yeah, yeah. uh very uh yeah very 80s mm-hmm. uh, Miami Vice type look. Uh, yeah, right, I'm intrigued. We'll have, to, have to check that out later. I'm intrigued. Okay. That was a good one. <laughs> fire, fire, fire up the emulators, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Track this one down. Um, so do you n- remember the first game you ever played or like the first memorable experience with a game? So is this video games only? or No, no, no any, any game. game. Um, Earliest memory of... Yeah, I... I... I had a lot of games as a kid. I would probably one of the traditional games 
would have been the first game that I played. I can't put my finger on whether it mm-hmm. was Trouble, Sorry, or Monopoly, but it would be, okay. you know, that's that's kind of my route into games was um, was games. playing the family board games for sure. Mm. What was what was a favorite family board game to play? Um, so it's hard to think back on which ones I liked back then because I kind of hate them all now. Yeah. yeah um, and and I, I don't want to sound like a game snob. The the problem though is that those games all are so shallow and um, so based on randomization. You know, I think probably uh, now that I've thought about it for a second, my favorite family game is Candyland. Hmm. And uh, the, I don't think I've ever played. Candyland. You know, the reason um, the reason that I like Candyland is that it's a disappointment trainer for little kids. Okay, <laughs> and okay. Uh, I think it teaches kids a valuable lesson. So if you're going to play a game, Candyland. Um, Candyland is a good one. Uh, it's it maybe Shoots and Ladders is an even better one for that. Yeah, just, um, yeah. teaching your children what it feels like to get dunked on, um, <laughs> teaching your your children that they you know how to be a good sport and uh, mm. and, and go from ninety nine to two or whatever happens in Snakes and Ladders. Yeah. I think that's I think that um, that's probably the best family game that's out there. Mm. Okay, Snakes and Ladders. Yeah, I remember a lot of disappointing moments in that game. That's interesting. Frustrations. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of a life simulator than the game of life. Like, there's not that much. I mean, so, sorry has that element too, but you always feel like someone the, the, else, somebody is else is doing it. Too. It's not the randomness yeah. of yeah. the dice, and it's the man getting you. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, but wow. uh, I think so. So it's interesting that you compare the game of life to shoots and ladders. So, so this is something that gets to what one of the things I really like. I really like abstract games, mm-hmm. um, and I think that sometimes. Uh, too heavy of a theme and too heavy of a focus on simulation kind of gets in the way of what you're trying to achieve with a game. And so Shoots and Ladders does a way better job of simulating life than life. You know, even though there's no mortgage payments in Shoots and Ladders, it's it's a better life simulator. Yeah, that's actually interesting. Okay, let's go back to that abstract game. So what do you mean by like an abstract game? So um, abstract games would be games where the um, the interaction between the pieces is is purely defined by formal rules. You're not trying to simulate anything. You're not trying to um, take. You know, you're not simulating baseball. You're not simulating a combat. You just got uh, pieces on the board, and they interact according to basically arbitrary rules. So chess would be an abstract game. Mm-hmm. Um, checkers is an abstract game and uh there's actually a ton of um really interesting abstract games out there that have been designed by mathematicians and hobbyists and uh there's a whole universe of these things to check out and Hmm. and uh um i really like them there's a uh you guys play uh i don't know how to pronounce it i think it's onitama you guys play that one i've heard of it i think i saw your post about it i haven't heard about it so uh it's if if you want a two-word summary it's it's tetris chess would be the way to describe it so uh, (laughs) there are uh maybe a dozen or so cards that define the different moves you can make on this five by five board Mm -hmm. okay you've got five pieces four uh students and the master and uh um every time you play the game you deal out five of these cards and so every time you play the combination of moves on the board is different so it uses some the same kind of thought processes that you would use to um, evaluate a game of chess. But what I like about it, because I'm a horrible chess player, hmm. um, and what I like about this is that there's no body of knowledge. 
It's impossible mm. to even have a body of knowledge because every set of combinations is different. Yeah. So when you sit down to play Onitama with somebody, you're you are both starting at the same place. Yeah. And you can't there's no homework you can do to be better. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. once you've got about an hour with the game, you've pretty much got the um the basics of it. Mm-hmm. With chess, you can spend hundreds and thousands of hours, you know, learning the 16th century Polish openings or <laughs> the, you know, the, these mid game techniques and mm-hmm. whatever. And, yeah. um, you're calling up all, you can call up all this knowledge that, that helps you be more effective in the game than someone who doesn't have it. So, uh, I prefer a game like Onitama where everyone starts on a level p- playing field and, and everyone kind of has to grope for those, those rules rather than having this super formalized set situation that that has been studied for centuries right yeah I, I would agree with that like it's not it's not fun when you come into a game and like someone has this huge skill set body of knowledge on you and then it's not even a fair fight you can't even have like an enjoyable game the games are more enjoyable if you're close if you're if you're actually like neck and neck and you can right you have a chance everybody has a chance so yeah no that's yeah fascinating I check that game out yeah it looks that's cool i, I can really cool I can see a reason why you would want um, mm-hmm. and what where the value is in the value of study, the value of um, a game like chess in that uh, you actually have to take it somewhat seriously in order mm-hmm. to be seriously good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the problem I have with it is that then it's the one game. If you're if you're going to be a chess player, mm. then um, you're going to you have to invest and make <laughs> this huge <laughs> investment of time. And I'd rather have novel experiences. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. So that would be like the last game you played or was there something more recent that you've been playing or enjoying? So um, I have a regular gaming group and uh, uh, we got three new games to the table at our, our last meeting. Uh, Onitama was one of them. Um, we also played uh, 1754, which is um, there's a series and I don't remember the name of the um, the designer, the manufacturer, but uh, there's a series of games and they're all then they're all named by the year. Mm. Uh, so there's 868 Vikings, there's 1812, which is the War of 1812, there's a 1775, um, and this one's 1754. And they all have they all have basically the same game system, which is nice. Uh, it's a really light, really um, rules light war game. Uh, and uh, within the context of these light rules, they try to simulate different historical conflicts, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, so 1754 is a simulation of the French and Indian War, um, the war for basically the war between the French and the English for North America. And mm. uh, it's a it's a barrel of fun. Um, we've my group has played a bunch of these games, so we have a fair degree of proficiency <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with the general idea. And it's really interesting to take this simple system and see it applied to different um, historical contexts. Although if you're going to check one of these games out, uh, start with 868 Vikings because that one is a blast. It's the most interesting, I think, um, and the most fun uh, to play because uh, because it has these crazy um, swings of control and lead, uh, uh, and you can change the the way the board looks very quickly. Um, it's yeah. a lot more dynamic, and I think that reflects the nature of the conflict that it's simulating. So 1754, 1812, and and I, I don't know, I haven't played 1775, but those are um, those are simulating a lot more static conflicts and they're, um, you're talking about trying to, to compete for a small advantage over the course of the game before you, before, uh, the end. 
Um, but in 868 Vikings, it's for all the marbles. You're trying to basically control the future of the island of Britain, and uh, uh, it it the leads the leads change, and it just feels like there's a lot more um, consequence to every decision. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they're they're really fun. I would suggest checking them out. And uh, we got a game called Conan to the table, which is um, like a barbarian. Yeah, Conan the Barbarian, and mm. it's a um, mm. It's uh, sort of a tactical Dungeons and Dragons type mm. game. And what was really interesting about it is there's a games master. So oh, one, okay. one player uh, takes the role of all of the baddies, the monsters. Yeah. Everything, and each other player is one Conan hero. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty fun. It was a good time. Kind of a burden for the games master guy. I don't think that's... <laughs> that's, um, that's what I always it, it always is. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, the name of the, the role. Um, did you play a lot of D and D like games when you were growing up? Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, mm. I started playing Dungeons and Dragons in fifth grade, so that would have been 1980. Uh, oh. And uh, played played pretty heavily through most of the 80s. Um, had a regular gaming group in high school. Uh, then um, didn't play a whole lot uh, until maybe 10 years ago or so, and I mm-hmm. got um, some of those some of those uh, gamers back together, mm-hmm. and we played we played a fourth edition D and D campaign for about a year and a half, nice. and and that's then actually that's bonded the board game group because it's it's just a uh, with a when you're a busy adult uh, <laughs> yeah. and you have a lot of different things going on in life, board mm-hmm. games are a lot easier to make happen than a D and D session. Yeah, sure, fair, fair enough. enough. Fair enough. Um, so would you consider yourself a gamer? Are you comfortable with the t- like the tag gamer or how do you feel about something like that? Sure. It's I think it's interesting um the idea of people identifying themselves by uh by their hobby. Mm-hmm. So so what does that mean when you identify yourself as a a gamer instead of a construction worker or uh, a nurse or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. uh, sure, uh, I would I would self-identify as a games enthusiast. I enjoy playing games. I always mm-hmm. have. I think we can learn a lot from from our our game time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how how have games impacted or influenced your life? So, I think that um, I think that games have given me a lot of skills actually that I use um, fairly frequently. I think uh, the, the way that you play games when you're, when you're um, conscious and focused on the game and the way that uh, um, you have to sort of strip away everything else that you're doing and, and look at the game and the constraints that the game gives you and operate within those constraints in order to achieve a goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's actually really helped me in a lot of different aspects of my life. Um, there are a lot of things in life that are games that are sub games or mini games of the rest of the world. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, I think if you can, if you can take those, um, take that ability to, to, um, look at, this this task or this this challenge and look at it as a game or or at least analogize it to a game and think about well, what are the rules how do i how do i succeed what are the strategies that are going to lead to success and i i think games have taught me a lot about that and um t- i i've i've learned a lot about abstract reasoning i think from games and the ability to um to reason and and think through a scenario and i think that that serves me really well in life mm-hmm. um have you guys ever read a book called um uh, on numbers and games by john conway on numbers and games sounds familiar right now no so it's um 
it's really heavy and uh, okay. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a, a okay. super deep math guy, but it is a math book. Mm -hmm. um, but it's worth taking a look at because there's a, um, there's, a, there's a subset of the philosophy of games, I think, that, that Conway has really identified. And um, it really helps clarify your thinking about games and the way that you play games. I definitely recommend checking it out. So essentially, this is, I think, um, and again, I'm not a math person, but I think that this is a, a seminal text in the tiny, tiny subfield of combinatorial game theory. So, oh, my goodness. Okay. So distinct from game theory and economics, combinatorial game theory is purely mathematical um, examination of turn-taking games mm. and, um, and the strategy of turn-taking games. And uh, it's, it's a really good read, even if you only skim it, even if you only sort of glance at it to think about it, to help clarify your thinking about, um, about games. And although not, not that many games that we're interested in playing today are purely combinatorial games, almost almost every game has an element of it or your ability to think about the game and the way that you work with the game will be influenced by your understanding of uh, combinatorial game theory. So it's worth checking mm. out. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't taken like a game theory class, but the term combinatorics, I've, that was a class that I still have uh, anxiety about. <laughs> so just the term combinatorial. <laughs> Gave me the chills, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but like the little understanding I gleaned from that course, like I can see exactly what you're saying. It was a lot of it was like, yeah, figuring out, okay, if I make how many decisions can I make? And it's like, how is that going to change the statistics of the end results or something like that? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Um, I, I learned about this when I started building um, artificial intelligence mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. um, games that I was creating. And it uh, led me to uh, combinatorial game theory, which really, I think, helped clarify my thinking about games. So anyway, it's worth checking out. Mm -hmm. for yeah, for sure. So I don't think we've had a lot of uh, actual game creators on the show yet. We've been planning to, but we haven't had anybody yeah. that's actually create a lot of so you you have created a few games in the past correct oh uh, yeah most definitely so what are the what are the few games that you've created um so so most of the games that i've created that i don't know that any of them are currently available but for the most part oh, um yeah. i've created games for ios um iphone oh. ipad that type of thing mm -hmm. um and being a uh being for the most part a solo hobbyist programmer when i'm talking about game making uh, i've typically focused on on really small experiences mm -hmm. and the games that i made for ios i actually made a series of games that in my the course of my exploration of combinatorial game theory so i made uh some of the um some of the uh highlights of my learning i made games out of them and the one game that's still in the app store that i made is a zero player game uh which is um conway's game of life oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah so john conway who wrote um on numbers and games created a the first uh cellular automaton okay. uh, and uh <laughs> And which is the That's precursor to it. all of today's zero player games. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's, it's essentially, um, it's a grid of cells and those cells follow rules as to whether they live, die or reproduce and different patterns produce um, different results. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, that is available on the app store. And uh, it's probably the single piece of software that I've written that has, that has had the biggest reach and the most users. Huh. So yeah, it's been out for seven years and I think we're, we're pushing on um, 50,000 uh, downloads, oh, which nice. is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a different part of the different. Um, it's a different 
uh, feeling for me. Most of the software that I create in my professional life has dozens of users at best. Right? So it's <laughs> yes, it's, it's kind yeah, of crazy to have yeah. something out there that tens of thousands of people have used. That's really cool. Can sorry, uh, I, I yeah, I, now I'm starting to remember where I heard of on numbers. And I went down like a game of life rabbit hole a few <laughs> years back. Um, it's listeners. It's 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 a fascinating thing. Like uh, there's a lot of even like online ones where. Uh, each different player will have a specific color mm -hmm. and you're it's uh, it, certain patterns bloom and certain rates and stuff but like multiple players could be on the same grid uh, but there's all these different colors and you're just trying to like you do certain patterns that bloom and uh, you come back and like maybe your color is taking over and stuff yeah um, i'm really interested in stuff like that um and that's i want to i want to pursue that but um if uh the the um, cellular automata all those different those different simulations um it's really been interesting to watch people make computers in minecraft and make these yeah. super complex machines in minecraft mm -hmm. because in a way um in a way they are doing the same it's, thing that conway did yeah. except instead of three or four simple rules there's all those rules of that of minecraft world, simulator yeah. that they can exploit uh, which is how you have you know like your vic 20 emulator in minecraft or yeah. whatever whatever yeah. you can do um, but i've always been interested in the idea of um of competition between uh, cellular automata. automata. I always thought um, that there's there's got to be an interesting way to simulate um, evolutionary processes, to simulate yeah. adaption, to to do that type of thing. There's got to be a really interesting way to do that as a game, but I haven't mm -hmm. seen anyone do it. There was yet. that one game, Spore, that kind of tried something similar <sighs> something to that, but it similar. didn't really take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just wild. Like, I, I thought about the specifically cellular automata and, like, how to make it more competitive. Like, I was thinking of, like, having a galaxy and there's all these planets in each planet. You do mm -hmm. your strategy or you're all in one it i never went anywhere with it but like just kind of extending it's kind of like it's kind of like minecraft it's kind of like spore but simple it's just yeah this grid of mm -hmm. colors that you're trying mm -hmm. to take over in such a way that uh, uh just know. going back a sec can we just uh briefly explain what a zero player game is sure a zero player oh, game yeah, is a game where um the 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 game plays itself. So you might set some initial conditions. Uh, you might, for example, uh, I've seen a lot of zero player games that are um, RPGs or mm -hmm. uh, Dungeons and Dragons simulators. And so you might set up your character um, and then your character proceeds in an automated way and you can check on it. Okay, my character lived or died or whatever. Mm -hmm. Each day you can see um, your as how that how that creation is moving forward. And so I would say that um, the game of life is uh, the original and uh, classic zero player game because once you you create the conditions, you set up the the grid, the universe of the game, um, and then you set it in motion and sort of watch what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, so that uh, I, I think it's um, that I don't know what the definition of a zero player game is, but to me, it's one where you um, you have influence over the initial conditions and then you watch what you've done play out. Hmm. Yeah, I guess there's. I don't know if they would call them zero player games, but I've seen a lot of that in the mobile space. I think, yeah, I think the idle games is the term. Yeah, I yeah. Feel like I would where you you interact, but then you can kind of like let the game go for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's like it's zero player, but you have some influence every once in a while. Well, I think those concepts are really are bleeding into a lot of mobile games. I'm not a big mobile game person because mm -hmm. uh, 
um, I'm kind of disaffected by how the the mobile space has gone. Yeah, 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 I think it's gone down a real dead end. Um, Really unfortunate, but but this is this is the reality of the market. So the market that's been created um, for mobile games is, uh, you know, it turns out that um, that Play for free and pay to win is the is the way that um, people like to interact with games on the mobile, or at least the way they're comfortable parting with their money. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm not a fan. But what I've seen is that a lot of these games have become more and more uh, like what what you're describing a zero player game, and and that's um, that's kind of interesting. So it it if you think about uh, the um, the way that free to play. Um, and that whole free-to-play concept interacts with a zero-player game, this is perfect for them. This is exactly what will work for them because um, the less skill you bring to it, the less player interaction there is with the game universe, then um, the more the value of those coins or gems or whatever that you've purchased are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything good can be made into something that sucks. I guess. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what would you say is like the, can you think of the, best or worst experience you've ever had with a game something that yeah like a really high high or very low like i'll never play a game or this game again or something like that you know what i really don't like playing mm. um cards against humanity ah. same i'm with you, <laughs> I'm with you. No, I, okay i was don't... there a point you liked it and then you got sick of it or you just didn't like it from the get-go so so this is a game that i avoid so i've mm. played it and I, it's in my mind because I actually had to sit at a table and play it. This was over this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is a game I've played maybe four or five times. Mm-hmm. The first time I played it, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun because the cards are novel and they're yes. they're um, uh, they're so transgressive. And if you're <laughs> sitting in a group of people with that has good good trust, and I think that's the most important thing is that everybody in the room has to really trust each other mm-hmm. um, in order for that to uh, for that that experience to work. But it's a one off experience. You know, it's like playing a, a Scooby Doo VHS game. Do you really <laughs> want to play it again once you've once you've had that experience once like that? That excitement that you feel at at reading the naughty cards and putting them together yeah. in a naughty way with your friends is mm-hmm. a, it's it's only good once. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I've played it a few more times and the worst experience I had, uh, it was, um, I was taking a leadership course, believe it or not. And we had a retreat, uh, and at the, the opening retreat. So we all had to go and stay in a hotel together, um, (laughs) before we started this leadership course, which sounds creepy and culty, but Mm -hmm. it was actually a good course. (laughs) No, the course is cool. It's more... But going on the retreat and somebody on the retreat pulled out cards against no. humanity. It was a horrible experience. Yeah, that's so um, People got up and left. Yeah. Uh, people were really angry. Um, people felt, and for good reason, they felt personally uh, oh, slighted yeah. or insulted. Because, oh, yeah. of course, um, you have a diverse group of people around the table yep. playing this game who don't know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I know about you you know, is that yes. I'm gay and you played the card that like, yep. you know, you played a homophobic card. <laughs> yep. And and so now I feel very uncomfortable. I'm in a very bad place. Uh, anyway, it was um, what a huge mistake it was to bring that <laughs> game out as an icebreaker. That yeah, is not an icebreaker. Not with new. No. Yeah, no, no, no. no. You said it exactly. It's probably it comes down to the trust. But mm-hmm. most of the time, yeah, I want like escape from the horrors of humanity. So that, I, I think that's why I... I <laughs> kind of tap out on that game it's like i don't want to be reminded of people at their work yeah and there are a lot of that that game has branched off into a lot of uh 
clone versions yeah, of itself. There's, there was uh, like an, there's ones now where you make comic strips. There's what is that? Cyanide and Happiness has one uh, where you make comic strips of like, and that's funny. Yeah, the first few times around, and then you know, yeah, boring once you, yeah, you know. I think too, it's the um, besides the content of the game. I think that the um, the way that it sort of simulates creativity instead of actually um, yeah. enabling creativity is something that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, so just beyond like the fact that it's um, you have to have the right people in the room mm. to play a game that's a, that's inherently offensive, even if it wasn't offensive by design, mm-hmm. um, it's still a game that I find stifles my creativity because uh, I have my I have set answers that I'm fitting into a, a template. Mm-hmm. And maybe for other people that really empowers them. Maybe yeah. maybe other other people find that to be um, to enable them to be creative. But for me, I I don't that's not the way that I like to express myself. No, mm-hmm. the, yeah, like I think my opinion of the game solidified when I was listening to a podcast from a, a comedian who absolutely hated the game because of like it's for unfunny people to try out like being an edgy comic uh but it's all so prescribed and sanitary mm-hmm. i mean sure there's probably combinatorial a, a bunch of different like combinations that you can make from all the cards but it's mm-hmm. yeah it's not creative right it's yeah. paint by numbers comedy and what's yes. fun about that yes. yeah yeah have you tried any of the jackbox games or you don't know jack things like that um i think i played uh i don't or you don't know jack i think yeah. i played that on the ouya console oh, <laughs> that's wow. the my only all right and yeah, the only nice. reason i played it is because it was like oh look a recognizable brand yeah. on this <laughs> oh poor Ouya. yeah jackbox tv has some interesting games that i would say really bring out the creativity like you create content that you share mm-hmm. um with each other that's silly um yeah, I, so yeah. Now, now it's at a point where everybody sits around with their mobile phone, and <laughs> you 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 get a series of questions to like type in your answer to, and then you're presented with two people's answers, and everybody has to vote on which one's the best one. Mm, so okay. you have the creativity aspect of you type in your own answers rather than whatever you get. But I played it at a family function, and it just it it pretty much boiled down to whoever made the poop joke or whoever yeah. made the Trump joke. Got yeah. The points. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But at least in those cases, uh, um, and it may be that in a lot of, um, in a lot of rooms, the quality of what you get is going to be average worse than the quality of joke you get from cards against humanity. But when mm-hmm. you get a good group of people together, yeah. mm-hmm. you can have so much fun. So right. I don't know, I don't know the name of this game, but there's an online game where you make t-shirts. Yes. That what is I'm Jackbox TV. It's oh, one of theirs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I was thinking exactly uh, I've that. seen my daughter play it okay. um, and mm-hmm. she plays it a lot and she is an artist and has oh, very awesome. creative friends yeah. and they, the stuff that they come up with is mm-hmm. genuinely great great yeah but for the most part probably not (laughs) so so it's it's there's the this is the tension between enabling anybody to to have to feel creative and be funny versus um taking those constraints off and and letting people sort of go to where they actually would fit you know because not everybody not everybody has experience expressing themselves Mm -hmm. or understands how to to take some kind of constraints and make something out of it that's not an experience that everyone is trained to to have or excel at Mm -hmm. so i think a game like cards against humanity party games have their place in that they you know it's it's like going on a ride at disney world Mm. um you might never be a pirate but you can go ride pirates (laughs) the caribbean and and 
and feel like a pirate for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that to me is this is is what a game like cards is is a yeah. it's a theme park experience of creativity versus um so the jackbox games which actually enable creativity hmm. yeah that's so. really cool yeah i think a lot of the, what i've watched of the jackbox games were like funny writers playing it so mm-hmm. it's probably like the best possible experience that i would never actually have in my life, so. <laughs> living vicariously through other people's yeah, fun yeah. experiences yeah which is one of the reasons i think that the dungeons and dragons podcast subgenre yeah. has gotten so huge because oh, yeah um i listen to some of these and I, I you know i don't have any that i regularly listen to but i dip my oh, okay. toe okay. and i i uh, mostly because again my kid loves this stuff oh. um and i listen and i think these are the game groups that i wish i had mm-hmm. you know like, <laughs> yeah. i wish i could go and find the five most creative people in the right. county and, yes. and play D and D with them right yeah. instead of the, the whoever i had study hall with yeah professional <laughs> actors yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right um so i think we've touched on it but just in case what kind of what types of games do you like playing the most like so what games do you enjoy playing yeah so um i i really like games that allow for a certain amount of planning um as well Uh. as a certain amount of of improvisation and i think it's the um it's when you can get both in the same package that you can have an awful lot of fun right Mm. uh um, i like games that are have kaleidoscopic conditions so um uh, a good example of that is small world where uh, mm. have you guys played small world oh, yeah, yeah. No, um so small world there's there's a game which is pretty pretty generic um sort of territory taking game mm-hmm. in a fantasy world um, and then there's the meta game and the meta game uh consists of choosing the combination of race and power that you're going to have and Mm -hmm. those cards are separate so every time you play Mm -hmm. you turn the kaleidoscope and you see what you get and again you as a a gamer have to exercise your your um your abstract thinking and your ability to to reason about conditions that you've never seen before Mm -hmm. i don't know what ransacking skeletons are going to do to this game board because I've never seen it. So I have to reason about it and think about what my best choice is and what's the counterplay going to be mm-hmm. and what are the other players going to do that to me, like, so that, um, the, the, the reasoning about novel circumstances is something that I really value in a game and I really enjoy. Um, I also really like owning people in games. So, we've had a, a few people on the podcast who yeah. would share your yeah. yeah. Any anytime that that um, anytime there's a game that and it, you know I I try to um, I try to be ego free when I play games because sometimes <laughs> it's your turn to to own and sometimes it's your turn to be owned and you mm-hmm. have to be a good sport because <laughs> you have to let other people enjoy their victory. I don't mind so much um, losing, but I really like winning. It's right. And so, <laughs> and I think that that's a that's a healthy way to approach games. So those mm-hmm. are things that I look for. Is um, I want I want to have earned a victory when I win, mm-hmm. um, and I want to learn something when I lose. Ah. I like that. Sometimes you get owned. Sometimes you know you have to just sit back and get owned, and it's yeah. a good philosophy of life. <laughs> yeah, to the... and I like yeah the learning from losing is probably something mm-hmm. that's key. Yeah, I've I've interacted with a lot of gamers who don't even want to have that experience of losing. Like they'll selectively go after games where they know they will consistently win and never lose, and they're turned off by games that where they lose. And I not I've enough been... Candyland. Yeah, <laughs> at a young age. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, so, what what would you say of all 
all games what is can you can you pinpoint your favorite game something like you're down a desert island you've got one game to choose from okay well, am i alone on the desert island well no okay you've got you <laughs> my, got someone my game to play group with. is on a desert yes. island okay so i'll give you i'll give you a board game and a computer game okay uh so the computer game that i would play on a desert island is is um either civilization or even better master of orion um master, master, master of orion. Orion, no. okay master of orion is a blast uh early 90s you can mm-hmm. get it for a couple bucks on gog um there's there's actually a series so it's a 4x game you know um explore mm-hmm. uh i forget what the four x's are <laughs> but anyway expand, expand explore exterminate and and something else oh, anyway okay. there there's there so there um civilization would be mm-hmm. the 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 original four x game um master of orion is a uh a space-based one and it's oh. pretty abstract mm-hmm. um and it's it's you can sit down and play through a game in a couple of hours but it really gives you that feel of like you know massive galactic galactic empires having a conflict and it takes you know you've got to you got to build your gigantic fleet of ships and plan where they're going to go and then it takes several turns for them to reach their destination so it's a lot of fun um and uh i've been playing these games for 30 years so i know that they if i was going to be on a desert island with a game uh those would be my computer games as to board Mm -hmm. games um for the past several years i think that um the gaming group that I play with, we always come back to Seven Wonders. Um, hmm. Seven Wonders mm-hmm. is a card game, and it's a uh, deck building game. I guess not really deck building. It's no. It's yeah. uh, what you're doing is so. There's shared hands in that we deal out um, cards around the table, and then I I play a card, then I hand my my um, I I hand off my cards to either the left or the right, depending on what turn it is. Um, And you're building, uh, you're building up a civilization and there's five or six different ways to score. Some of those scoring methods are interactive with other players. Some of those scoring methods are solely based on the cards that you have put together. Hmm. Um, And there's a limited number of cards of each type. So the ways that you can score um, off of each other are, uh, and on, on your own, are constrained by the choices other players make. Every time you play, it's different. Um, and uh, I find that the games are really fast, which I really value. So uh, you can play a complete game of Seven Wonders in 15, 20 minutes, hmm. um, and then sit down and play another one, and another one, and another one, and every one is different. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I strongly recommend it. That's probably the game that, that uh, my group has spent the most hours playing, and because the game is so quick, um, it's by far the 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 number of plays. It's got to be the most uh, in terms of number of plays of any game that we've ever brought to the table. Interesting. Hmm. I, I have that game. I've played that game. And I just, I've never thought of it as a quick game. I don't know if it's the people <coughs> that I'm playing with or something, but I've never, I always sit down to Seven Wonders and then like halfway through it, I'm like, oh, when is this game going to be over? You need a sand timer. You need a sand timer because the if you if if you're playing with one of those analysis paralysis people, um, <laughs> it's no fun. Yeah, it's no fun at all because the whole point of this game is that we all take simultaneous moves, um, and it's it's a pace game. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have, um, I, I think that that's an interesting question: is what do you look for in a gaming group? Um, oh, and uh, um, hmm. you know what I want? Obviously, people that I whose company I enjoy, but I also mm-hmm. want people who are going to sit down. They're going to get to business and um, and they're going to uh, they're going to take their their component of the shared responsibility for everybody having a good time. Mm. And so that means that Mm. um, that means, for example, in a game like Seven Wonders, um, 
you it's better to make a suboptimal move than to make everybody else wait 15 minutes while you get your calculator out and figure out mm -hmm. what your final score is going to be. I mean, that's just not, that's just not getting in the spirit of the game. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, I really value people who can, uh, get into the spirit of the game and play fair with the fun. You know, it's not just about playing by the rules. It's about mm -hmm. making sure that everyone has their share of fun. And if, if, more than half of the time that we spend around the table together is four people watching one person like agonize over their choice. Yeah, that person there. is not being fair with the fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Being fair with the fun. That is a good I mean, observation. You have like so many slogans. Like, I feel like <laughs> we're, gonna we're getting back. a lot of, yeah, we're getting a lot of taglines. Yeah, yeah. So many t-shirts. So <laughs> we'll figure out the royalties. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. I mean, Quab and I have a, a pretty regular gaming group. Oh um, yeah, yeah, and I'll, we have a lot of people in that group that are very serious gamers, and so usually I end up avoiding the hour-long games because when it's their turn, they're playing as if you know their life's on the line. This is a very important game, and they that they need to win. <laughs> and yeah, it's exactly what you said. Like it saps the fun from the rest of the table. Like you just kind of everyone gets disengaged and disinterested, and that you know it's even if he wins in the end, it's everyone's just so exhausted. They're like, fine, you won. Who cares? Like, right. So I think mm. this is key. And, and I'm trying to think about a way to say this without sounding like a big jerk. But, <laughs> um, I want everybody around the table to be satisfied with their life. <laughs> in the gaming room. Uh, because I don't want you to bring your, um, your need to, uh, to dominate somebody else or your need to feel ego gratification. I don't want you to bring that to the table. <laughs> um, and that's, that's not cool. And maybe so I'm in my late forties and maybe that's one of the reasons why I like playing with older gamers because there's a tendency with mm. younger gamers that some people come into the room with something to prove. And, yeah. um, uh, believe me, the only thing that you're proving to me is that you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Win or lose, if you make every make the game not fun mm -hmm, in the yeah. course of winning, um, then then actually, I think the only thing that's good about that is that it can motivate everybody else to really, um, you know, to get some satisfaction by um, screwing over the jerk. Yeah, guy. that there is a certain this satisfaction is, in that. Yeah, too. that's kind of what happens is the, the whole table up. turns and like, okay, yeah. well, now it's our job to make sure that you don't yeah, win. Yeah, at least And that can be you, a whole game in and of itself. Yeah, everybody suffers together. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you suffer the most. Um, yeah. It, it was interesting. Yeah, you're talking about like uh, playing with older gamers and uh, you mentioned that you have a, a daughter? Or? Yeah. Yeah, and I was, I was just wondering like, okay, what kind of games do you guys play together hmm. like i have nephews and you said mm -hmm. Candyland. my nephews are pretty young but i'm wondering as they get older what kind of games do you like uh, so to play together or do you oh yeah we play a ton of games together so we play games as a family and what i look for in those games is uh experiences that are um i don't look for dumbed down game experiences but i look for games that are more accessible um that that uh you don't have to be interested in reading a rule book in order to pick up and play. Mm. Um, so I would, so for example, I wouldn't bring Twilight Imperium or the Game of Thrones board game to the family game table, but Fair. we would play um, some of the games that we're playing right now. Uh, um, you guys ever play King of Tokyo or King of New York? Yeah, King of Tokyo okay, is good. Uh, we play King of New York, so it's the mm -hmm. same, 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 uh, same essential concept. Yeah. Uh, very fun, very light, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, a good, easy game to play. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, we also have been playing a lot of At the Mountains of Madness, which is a oh, terrific oh, yeah, that... combination of cooperative strategy yeah. game and party game. It's so okay. much fun. 
Um, and that yeah. uh, we really enjoy that. So uh, can I can I give you the 30 second sort of go for it? Is that, an old, is that an older game? No, it's brand new. It's pretty new. Like I've, seen, I've seen it played. It looks fast. So At the Mountains of Madness is a um, fantasy novel by H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. Uh, and it's about Antarctic explorers finding, you know, okay, spoilers, spoilers for like something that's 70 years old. <laughs> it's about Antarctic explorers who um, find evidence of ancient aliens on Earth nice. and uh, um, and actually encounter an ancient monster and go crazy and have to escape Antarctica. Okay, that's mm -hmm. the so it's, you know, your classic Lovecraft tale, pro mm -hmm. probably his best novel. <laughs> um, and uh, the game simulates that experience one of the things that it does so there's a there's a board um there is a series of challenges that you have to cooperatively overcome by playing the correct hand uh, or put correct cards out of your deck with a time limit but here's the party game aspect um as you progress through the game every player gets madness cards um which are which are behaviors that they have to act out. So yeah. for example, um, I might get a card that says I'm not allowed to say a number. I have to use, I have to say the month of the calendar that corresponds to that. So I have to say, you know, I have, I have the January of red instead of saying I have a one. Um, that might be an example of a madness and they become progressively more inhibiting. You might have mm -hmm. to get up and walk around the table and circle the table for the entire oh, time really? that you're cooperating, or nice. you might have to only communicate in shrieks. Like there's, <laughs> uh, and, uh, That's good. you're not allowed to tell the other players what uh -huh. your madness yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they interact and sometimes they inhibit your progress through the game. So there's, there's that, there's that, um, performative um mm -hmm. and and sort of safe transgression that that is every mm -hmm. good party game and then um and then an actually uh reasonably deep strategy game, cooperative mm. strategy game on top it's fun um we we win less than half the time so it's, it's really <laughs> yeah. good yeah huh so the game ends if everybody goes mad and loses or yeah. Some, yeah. at least yeah. if at There's, least one person makes it through then you technically all win and there yeah and it's actually very difficult um there's mm -hmm. a scale of success so the more time you spend on the mountain exploring mm -hmm. these cards um the the more the more difficult it becomes to survive but the more um evidence you get to bring to the outside world of the ancient aliens so <laughs> there's a there's a um there's a scale of victory just because you succeed you could succeed and um, and nobody knows, or you can succeed and become a global celebrity because you, you know, you have the evidence of, of, uh, you change everyone's perspective on, of life on earth. So there's, right. um, and it's, I've never, we've never gotten past the sort of, you know, the, the very low levels of victory. It's, it's a really <laughs> hard game and a lot of fun. Huh. Yeah. So, check that out. um, so those are the kind of things that I look for with family. And I think that the, um, if I could, if I could just take a step back, if you guys don't mind, mm -hmm. and oh, say no. that uh, it's really good and important to think about the right games that are a good fit for the group. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's there's um, the people around the table are going to dictate what game experiences are good for everybody, mm -hmm. and uh, you can't force a game on a table that isn't the right game and expect people to have fun. Yep, a hundred percent. Yeah, you need to have a wide variety of games. Yeah, play play for the table. Uh -huh. For sure. Yeah, we'll have uh, our, our friend who has a duffel bag. We'll have him on this <laughs> when we can. Uh, yeah, he's got a game for every situation. <laughs> um, So I think we kind of touched on what you like least about games or gamers. It seems like it's people who sap the fun out of a game. Is there anything else 
any kind of aspects about games or gamer people that play games that kind of irritates you or something that you know yeah it's like the, the dark side of games sort of so what's cool about games is how they're a um you you take everything else away and you have some small subset of thinking or behavior or or creativity and you focus on that right um so i think the things that make a person a good or a bad gamer are a pretty close proxy to what makes a person worth hanging around with <laughs> a good friend and an interesting companion um for the most part, I would say that if I enjoy your company, we're gonna. There's a game that we can share together. I know you wanted me to be negative in this answer. And <laughs> I turned it around and I was nice. Yeah. I, I won't do that again. Sorry. He's such a no, interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, speaking of that, like I, I know you're involved in local politics a lot, and um, is there? Do you? How do you? Um, what what correlations do you find between games and politics or the and, lessons you've learned yeah like how do how do the two kind of, kind of on it. intersect yeah i think there's there's a lot of um lessons learned i think you can if you think about the things that make you perform well in games and the things that make you perform poorly uh there is a lot of lessons that you can uh you can glean that will help you in in life and politics is very much a game uh mm -hmm. it's a very serious game it's a game that uh that we play with money and people and mm -hmm. uh um i think it's you know i don't want to sound like i'm um i don't want to sound like i'm totally cynical and, mm -hmm. and see something that is so important to people's lives as uh as something trivial mm -hmm. but it's a serious game Mm -hmm. um so there's i think there's a huge amount that you can learn um every every election every political setup is uh his has its own set of rules they aren't written and some of them are written and some of them aren't just like the best games right mm -hmm. um there's so there are uh, rules the more you understand the rules the better you're going to be able to perform within them the mm -hmm. better you're going to be able to maximize your performance mm -hmm. um but uh, and and so yeah, I've I've learned so much from games that um, that I bring. So the, to the extent that I am a effective political operative, I think that um, a lot of that comes from my experience playing games. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're, can we're, I can I pitch my um, my favorite political game? Sure. Tammany Hall. Have you guys played it? No. Okay. I, it's I such a blast. It's a um, it's a simulation of. Um, ethnic brokerage politics in 19th century New York, and it is so much fun. Um, and it, it is a really good um, simulation of some aspects of politics and some of the, the choices that you have to make. And, and so when I'm playing a game that simulates something um, and, and in the course of playing that game, I'm thinking, man, these are the same kind of decisions that you really you have to make in real life. That to me makes it an excellent simulation. And Tammany Hall is one to check out. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It will okay. deepen your understanding of politics if you play a few games. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. So it was interesting. We we kind of started the show with talking about more about aspect games and why that was, you know, yeah, abstract. Why that was fun yeah. and interesting. And you've, we kind of moved to more like we talked a lot about simulation games. Yeah, I like, like simulations. That. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it a, like? Would you would you prefer abstract games or simulation games? Like what are, what are the what are the differences between the two, and like which ones? Or is it just the day of the week? Yeah, <laughs> is, it, is there one you enjoy more, or like what kind of different what kind of experiences do you get from 
So I think that there's a closer relationship between the two than you might think. Um, mm. At its heart, a simulation game is making a, picking and choosing from all of the available abstract mechanics and combining them in a way that simulates something that happens in the real world. Um, and so I think that if you think about abstract games as individual game mechanics or demonstrations of individual game mechanics and they are a great way for you to think about games mechanically think about the way that game mechanics interact and think about the way that um think about the way that you can uh maximize your performance in that way and that's a really important component of games thinking mm -hmm. um but then you take that to a simulation which is uh, a whole bunch of different systems typically um, a different mechanical systems interacting. Um, I think it improves your ability to reason about each of them separately and think about how they combine um, to make that simulation. And I think that's, um, to go back to the previous question about real life, I think that's a great way to think about um, to think about uh, real life and the way that you interact with it. Uh, there are so many challenges around you and the universe and the world can seem mm -hmm. so chaotic mm -hmm. um, and, and so limitless. But, but then when you really investigate and inquire into things, um, everything is its own little universe with its own little rules, right? You mm -hmm. know? So I, I see lots of musical instruments and stuff in the room. Um, when you play music, there's infinite variations to what you can do. And yet, um, and yet the, the, uh, different, different styles of music follow their own sets of rules. Mm. And so within those constraints by, by within those constraints, and then taking not only, um, the, you know, the, the relatively infinite number of combinations of notes on a piano or a guitar or whatever, um, taking those and then overlaying them with the rules of a particular style mm -hmm. that you can choose to either, um, you can either follow or you can subvert, mm -hmm. right? And then that layered on top of that infinite variety is what gives you really rich experiences. And then the understanding that the person brings to it, the more you know about a genre of music, the more that you're going to be able to appreciate it. So now bring it all back to abstract games <laughs> and simulations. Mm -hmm. um, abstract games are like the piano. You know, there's, um, there, if you don't have, if you don't have, uh, an overlay that gives it meaning, um, it doesn't have as much meaning in itself. So I, I really like abstract games because of what they can teach us. Um, I think they're fun to spend time with, but I really like simulation type games because um, they take those experiences and they contextualize them. Hmm. And does that teach, like, does it help to know more about that simulation if it's based on, like we were talking about, like the uh, English-French war things like that does it help to have a background in it or does it more make you interested to learn more about it after you're done the game or kind of both i guess i think the best ones um the best the best simulations teach you something about um, the kind of choices that the people involved in that experience had to make mm. um and and the options that they had and i think that that it's good to have that foreknowledge, but it's almost like, or that knowledge of what actually happened, but it's almost like spoilers, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I've got, I've got one more game I want to mention mm -hmm. to you guys. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, I have to make a list later. We're yeah. talking about simulations. So here's an unfun simulation that's worth experiencing. There's okay. Avalon Hill back in the late 60s, early 70s, made a game called France 1940. Okay. okay. And it's about mm -hmm. the Battle of France. 
which if as you guys may know was pretty one-sided right mm -hmm. uh so it's a it's a simulation of the blitzkrieg yeah and yeah. uh the the way that the accepted way to play it uh, in competition is to play two games um so uh you play one game as the french and one game as the germans and each player does that and then you compare how badly the german player owned the french player in each game and that's how you kind of determine who played more skillfully because there's huh. actually no way for the french player to win okay um so that's i think that's a really cool but niche simulation yeah. um you can learn stuff from that but compare that to the uh to the simulation games that that we talked about earlier where um you know so so those the 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 1754 and whatnot um those games are balanced mm -hmm. and so so they sacrifice um their their sacrifice some element of the the power of the simulation in order to make a balanced game experience which mm -hmm. i think is is a fair and reasonable choice um but then there's simulations that that actually give you um, a flavor of the historical experience. And um, I've only played France 1940 a couple times, and it's super fun to play as the French. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it's super fun to lose in oh, that game because yeah. uh, if you come to it with the right mindset, because um, mm -hmm. you're having you're you're experiencing that kind of this calamity. Yeah. without having to actually go through the, the yeah. experience of having a calamity in your real life and it's mm -hmm. um it's really quite something yeah interesting that is interesting yeah i was even just thinking about simulation like more so with like fictional future worlds uh does that still count like i don't the world doesn't exist in, yeah. yeah but uh yeah they're still simulated structures that we can kind of recognize even though they tack on like a sci-fi element to them too i don't know mm -hmm. well you're simulating in that case you're simulating the um you're simulating the the feeling of watching that show or mm -hmm. that movie or reading yeah, that book, book right yeah, yeah, yeah. uh this is why there are good star wars games and bad star wars mm -hmm. games and good star trek <laughs> games and bad star trek games yeah right? yeah mm -hmm. fair 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 are there good star trek games yes which which ones? <laughs> okay, you guys ever played Starfleet Battles? No. So there's two games. There's a computer game and a board game. Starfleet Battles and Starfleet Command is the computer game. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. So start it switches maybe a 2002 era Windows game. Um, Starfleet Battles is a super deep tactical simulation of ship to ship combat in the Star Trek universe. Uh -huh. So, okay. um, it's very much based on. Uh, um, traditional naval combat simulations. Okay, um, it's really deep. You actually, every player has a spreadsheet that Great. they have to fill out before every turn. Okay, oh and it's you have to that, allocate all that, the energy on your ship. Is it? <laughs> and it's, you, seriously, to play one second of <laughs> to play one second of like film time of the ships uh -huh. maneuvering and firing, it takes thirty to forty minutes. Oh. Um, but but. If you play it, it's so much fun because it's so uh -huh. deep, right? This okay. is, but, but, um, the, it's so limiting because it's so complex. It's yeah. so heavy. It's so rules heavy. It's so like brain heavy. Like you're doing, you're accounting, yeah. you know, you're, you're doing, accounting. Yeah. yeah, accounting. Um, the game. Yeah. I don't have enough energy to power the shields. Right. You, well, those uh, decisions are it. exciting and fun. Uh -huh. Um, but you have to be willing to sit down yeah. with your calculator and have that experience, right? And, and so it's yeah. limiting. It's limiting in who is interested and it's also limiting in who's going to take the time to do it. But then um, uh, I think it was Activision 
in the early 2000s made a computer version of this board game. And it's a real-time, um, pretty much one-to-one uh, um, translation of those board game rules into a computer game. And now here's what's cool about it. The computer does all the math. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and and uh, it's an incredible game experience. This is probably, I think, the single best translation from um, a tabletop game to a computer game mm. that's out there. And um, the reason that is that the computer game is so much better because it it leaves you with all of the decision making and all of the fun, and in fact, add something because it's real time. Now you're making those mm. decisions. You can slow it down a little bit so mm-hmm. that you have a bit more time to make the decisions. But so let's say it takes three seconds or five seconds to simulate that one second instead of 30, 40 minutes. Uh, and I, I think I enjoy, um, I enjoy both experiences, but, but in the 15 years since Starfleet command came out, my, my entire shelf of Starfleet battle stuff has never come off the shelf because there's no point, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's completely rendered obsolete by the existence of the computer game. Right. Mm. That one's on uh, GOG.com as well. It's, okay. it's uh, not very expensive. The first one is the best one. Um, it supports land play. So if you have any <laughs> interest in playing, um, playing uh, the, you know, com- doing the Romulan Warbird or whatever versus the enterprise, you can have those experiences and it's really fun. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Um, I, there is one that's kind of fun and interesting, and I, I just got it recently. It's with the PlayStation VR, and you're like Starfleet Command. You're actually in the mm-hmm. Enterprise. You're like, you have to like command people. You, you run the different um, – you're either the commander and you're or the captain, and you're running different parts of the ship, or you're actually like at comms, or you're, at, you're an engineer, and you're moving dials up and down uh controlling i I have a playstation vr and i really want to check that out but i am way too busy with tetris (laughs) oh you're doing okay yeah what is the the tetris um so what's it oh there's this crazy there's a tetris vr game yes yes (laughs) and this is okay and this is fun how okay from the creators of like res yes so it is like a experience it like, is you you talk about it i haven't yeah played, I i've haven't never even it. heard of this uh okay so you should check it out yeah if you have apparently. a playstation vr it's I, <laughs> I couldn't believe that i was spending 50 dollars on tetris in 2018 uh, but yeah it's totally worth it so <laughs> um it it it's tetris so it's uh-huh. you you're playing the game of tetris um which is the game that that you know and yep. that you've been playing for however long you've been alive yep. but uh the environments and the music uh, and the immersiveness of the, mm-hmm. the um, of the backgrounds really makes for an, a super interesting experience because what the um, and it's the res guy or with the res people yeah. what the res what the res people are really good at is using music and visuals to manipulate your emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're playing Tetris and you're being taken through an emotional experience at the same time what? and uh it's it's uh, after october 17th right pot's legal um, <laughs> this is this is definitely an experience that would be enhanced i would assume by uh the consumption of legal marijuana uh, mm-hmm. uh the grass gas the grass um, gas <laughs> there you go no yeah but yeah even just like yeah just That's... altering your brain yeah just uh it seems like very meditative. I haven't played it, but I'd be very interested. Yeah, I've, I've heard I'd a lot about it. I have to at least check this out now. Yeah. I mean, it depends how much you like Tetris. I've always loved Tetris. 
I've, I think it's called the Tetris effect. The Tetris effect. Yeah. yeah. I've always been a Tetris fan. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to play it because mm-hmm. I like Tetris. Mm-hmm. Um, I would play Tetris on any platform, but, okay. uh, but then it actually like, this is one of the, um, I've had a VR for a while and this is mm-hmm. one of those experiences that, that, uh, really makes VR awesome. Yeah. I can't, I just can't imagine being super excited to put on my VR helmet. No, it's man. like Tetris. It's so much more fun than Skyrim VR. <laughs> I still haven't tried that one yet, but my my hook right now is uh, Beat Saber, where you get it's like dance dance plus lightsabers. Yeah, so that's my workout right now. <laughs> I haven't I haven't tried that one yet, but it's uh, addictive. Yeah, it's on my to do list. <laughs> yeah, you maybe I'll try it. tonight. Um, so we're we're pretty much over time, but um, I just really I want to touch base and just uh, talk about um your Dark Souls experience oh, okay. for a second because I just yeah. I don't know why, but I just found it like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why, but stereotypically, I would look at you and not think Dark Souls enthusiast for some reason. Okay, I don't know why. Because I'm not wearing a like a death metal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I I've tried this game once or twice. It is infinitely frustrating, and I just want to get your 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 insight and why. What what about Dark Souls that really got you into it and like yeah that whole experience? So there there's I really don't like games that have. Um, that are narrative heavy. Okay. Uh, so I don't want a game that spoon feeds me a story. I want the story to emerge from the experience that I have. Yeah. And uh, Dark Souls is really good at that. It's mm-hmm. really, really good. So this is the hook that got me into it. Um, it's really good at giving you as much of a narrative as you want um, mm-hmm. because you interact with the narrative by reading item descriptions um and observing the world around you mm-hmm. there's very few cutscenes. there is very few di- mm-hmm. there's very little dialogue and most of the dialogue is totally incomprehensible <laughs> um you can play this entire game and win and not have any idea what you were doing um which is i think really interesting but um the actual mechanical experience of playing dark souls is such a blast mm-hmm. um it's it's uh i think in terms of action rpgs it's the one that has um at least for me that um, hits the sweet spot of um, of having depth in the RPG elements. They are important. You can make uh, builds. They're, your character builds are very distinct from each other. They lead to very different experiences. Um, and the actual moment-to-moment gameplay is so fun. And it is super frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I think is it's you know i think a lot of times people think about dark souls as a hard game or as a mean game but the point of those of of the the of the the unforgiving nature of the challenges of the game is that to to give you a genuine feeling of accomplishment when you when you overcome them there is no easy mode there is no way to have the experience if someone has has finished this game in pve um then they they have done something you know um that's and and it's there's no there is no spectator mode uh, in Mm. dark souls and then layer on top of that um the uh the player versus player aspects of it and um, the creativity of being able to have such huge build variety and have um and then have a fighting game that actually works to some extent Mm -hmm. uh so so back in the heyday of Dark Souls, um, I had a regular Saturday night um, Dark Souls gaming group, and uh, a few of us got together with our PlayStations in person, and we did, you know, um, six hours of sparring every week. Wow. And so we got really good at it, um, like really good at it. Uh, the um, 
the first Reddit Dark Souls tournament had um, three people from Windsor, our three, <laughs> our three groups in the quarterfinals, and the finals <laughs> were two of us. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. So so um, partly it's a game that I love, mm -hmm. um, but also it's the um, probably the single uh, like the game that that I actually developed the most skill in, mm -hmm. which is something that's fun in itself. Right. Is to get really good at something. Um, and, uh, uh, if, you know, you've played all, we've all played these online games, whatever uh, shooters, whatever games. And and you play against somebody and you're like that that person is 12 years old and all they do is play this game, right? Yeah, yeah. For once I had the experience of being that person. It was so awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a nice feeling. Uh, but yeah, just playing those competitive online games. Yeah. It's a time sink. Either you spend a lot of time getting really good at it or, yep. you know, you're five minutes into there and you're like, well, I'm not 12 years old. I don't have, right. I can't make this my nine to five. So, or Doug. So, yeah. So, um, so in the heyday of, of competitive, uh, Dark Souls for me, I had a YouTube channel. I still do. Oh, yeah. Hello. You can check out, I have like a couple hundred videos of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, wow. of, um, just purely trying out different techniques, different weapons, playing the game in different ways, tournament videos, all that stuff. Huh. Um, yeah, uh, at, there was a, there was a brief window of time that I had a Twitch channel because I played Dark Souls so much. Right. So, yeah. uh, it, it's, <laughs> It's um, there's a whole universe of gaming that I just don't have time to mm -hmm. um, to get into to that level of depth. Like, you know, so I say that about those experiences and then realize that there are people who have that um, level of skill and depth with four games a year because they the right because they can invest mm -hmm. so much time yeah. in it and these are your these are your youtubers or whatever yeah, so the um yeah. so uh you know without overstating my gamer credentials here uh it was really cool to have that experience of being in that universe right yeah. of being mm -hmm. being in that conversation in in a one game at one moment in my life so it's, it's an experience that i'll always treasure and that's probably part of the reason why I'm still playing those games to this day because it's it's not just the that the game itself is fun, but it's also um, it's also like a peak experience. It's the reason why Al Bundy still has a football in his house, right? He's still <laughs> he's still <laughs> he's still thinking about that day that he was uh -huh. the he was yeah, the, hero the hero of whatever the, yeah. the you know I forget the details of the game. Yeah. Threw, I think he threw a touchdown. Something, something. Yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. You just keep saying more interesting stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, was there any like reasoning you, you stopped with the YouTube or was it just you didn't have the time anymore? Oh, or? I just didn't have the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that, so, so what happened is I quit my job and started my own business. Oh, okay. okay. So um, I leveled up in the game of life and didn't have time for Dark Souls <laughs> <laughs> to be competitive in Dark Souls anymore. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's, that's fair. <laughs> But yeah, like, yeah, I think we haven't had too many people who would like actually engage with a community, like a gamer community, like the, the whole being a kind of on YouTube. And mm -hmm. uh, that seems interesting to me. Like, how did you find the interaction with the people on YouTube? Because I, I assume they're all monsters, but um, mm -hmm. the game community. So so the community of competitive players was really cool and fun. OK, um, there were a few there were a few jerks. Yeah. Um, and some of them are the best players, nah, but the, uh, but the community of, of people who took the game seriously enough to be good at it, uh, was, was a really cool community. Um, the rest, 
whatever nah. yeah uh, i i kind of hate fandoms in general uh, um yeah um i i like a lot of things that have fandoms but i don't like fandoms mm-hmm. so uh, mm-hmm. uh game fandom is no different mm-hmm. i think those communities are are so toxic and it's like um you know uh, get out of your dorm like baseball <laughs> or or go talk to some people or yeah. get a job or whatever and and i i think yeah. if you're there's so much um there's so much uh focused bitterness and entitlement in fandoms in general and in game fandom specifically uh it's not something that i really want to be a part of there Mm -hmm. are great sub communities but the broader community kind of sucks all right interesting yeah oh we should wrap up yeah Yeah. we're getting way out of time but um thanks a lot for coming on and sharing your experiences yeah i feel like we got more maybe if you come back probably figure something else out <laughs> anytime guys Lots more to talk about. Yeah, yeah that was awesome but yeah that was a pretty well played episode yeah Sean. well played club yeah, yeah. well played um, doug thanks <laughs> all right uh thanks everybody uh check us out um yeah the social medias grass cast on all those things doug do you have anything to plug uh rpc Sure. Um, if if you, if you uh, so so this is weird because you guys are a <laughs> podcast that it, you know has pretty universal reach, and and my podcast is focused on one city's <laughs> politics. But uh, if you're interested, Rose City Politics is uh, our, you can find us at RCP Windsor on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on all of the different um, podcast platforms, whatever platform mm-hmm. you prefer. And um, yeah, we talk about um, we talk extremely in depth about municipal affairs mm-hmm. in Windsor, it is Ontario. definitely the best podcast i've heard on windsor politics yes well, 100%. There you go. 100%. <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah uh thanks a lot and uh thanks everybody for listening yeah and uh yeah till next time thanks for having me guys thank you bye well played